Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that, that's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton. To the direct to video connoisseur podcast, as always, uh, Matt here, and this week I'm joined by a very special guest. I've got Cam Sully from uh, the Jacked Up Review podcast, which I was a guest on, and also uh, you write for the Action Elite. Is that correct? Yes, it's a dream job come true. Uh, literally, in both college, you know, I was discovering. Uh, yeah, this was back in 2012, believe it or not. You know, I was discovering. Uh, DTV connoisseur and, and I just was loving the outrageous humor, awesome parallels, and again, history lesson and just a feel good about discovering all these cult movies and independent films that could only be distributed through, you know, videotape and DVD. <laughs> and to see the action elite getting featured more and more, it was becoming the dread central, except instead of horror movies, it was becoming for, you know, action adventure movies. And, when I got shockingly invited to join them last fall of 2019, I was just like, Jesus, that this is, uh, this is resurrecting my soul and my otherwise lifeless security job. I need this. This is great. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Yeah. And I got to say, you know, like I said, I mentioned, I was a guest on your pod um, back in January, which that, that episode oh, is man. now live. Um, but yeah. we had a really fantastic conversation. It felt like, you know, let's let's put a pin in this and we'll pick pick things up on, on my podcast and sort of keep it going. So I'm really happy to have you here and, and have you uh, 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 chatting with us, um, you know, again, kind of oh. furthering our conversation. Likewise, I mean, because, I mean, I was literally talking to an icon, you know, who happened to be, you know, not necessarily just a celebrity, but a reviewer, you know, it's like talking to the Roger Ebert of direct-to-video everything, you know, I'd already talked to you and Mitch uh, Lavelle of the Video Vacuum, and, you know, and then I talked to Kent Hill, you know, from podcasting them softly, and just his various wacky books, he's very much like Outlaw Vern, Mm -hmm. and just to talk to all these other just beloved icons who are kind of becoming secondary, you know, <laughs> so with action as it is, because um, it, it's just cool to have that kind of feedback and just going back and forth. It's kind of like uh, when Joe Blow first launched and everyone was talking about Harry Knowles, you know, <laughs> right. yeah. and uh, uh, yeah, so uh, I'm so glad to be here to just talk about, you know, cable TV and TBS, because I mean, everybody's has different memories and just that nostalgia. I mean, even YouTube doesn't 
portray enough of a pitcher. It's just so cool to just kind of have that kind of uh, general kind of history outline of it's very much how we are with our radio stations, you know, just everything we're hearing, you know, is like uh, we even have our alternate histories is like, well, there's plenty of other stuff that was in the top two fifty or, you know, well, whatever playing, you know, whatever chart playing list, but doesn't get played anymore unless it's two in the morning. Right, right now, and that is one thing I think too. Um, I, I noticed because you know, listening to a few other episodes of your podcast, that you kind of talked about the TV aspect of, of nostalgia, and I think it is an important part of it because, you know, the VHS part of it is always important because, well, one, they look really great on on Instagram. I mean, I, I love. I don't know if you on, on Instagram if you follow Ty Action Rocks up uh, from Ty. Yes, Ty I Rocks do. Come up, yeah. yeah, I mean, his collection is amazing. You see those pictures. I mean, they are fantastic. But um, you know, he's someone that you know. Ty and Brad have talked about that. You know, the TV aspect with them, and I know you um with Action Elite, you've been writing about some of the the current action TV shows. Um, that, that... Uh, I was pretty much the go-to TV guy because I just noticed there wasn't that much TV shows on there. So I'm like, okay, well, shit, I'm gonna review everything with Don Johnson and Richard Dean Anderson and <laughs> uh, just all these other B movie favorites, uh, as well as just the latest stuff. I made sure to give a recent review of Yellowstone, Treadstone, and uh, got a few Longmire and Justified and other just uh, cult shows coming our way. I mean, and uh, I, fortunately enough, I had a few other buddies. I knew them from either Action Elite or from a few, believe it or not, mystery science theater theme groups. And uh, one of one of them goes by the name Candy Allison Smith. She's just launched her uh, horror podcast. And then Rob Antecora, who is also best known as the Cinema Drunkie, that, that blog site, is launching his with his buddy uh, Ricardo a Star Trek-themed podcast. And uh, they also kind of make it a little uh, Brooklyn-themed because, you know, that's where they originated from. And so... It is kind of cool how everybody's kind of jumping on the podcast bandwagon. And so now it's just a matter of, hey, if you don't, you know, if it's not for money, if it's not about advertising, how do you stand out? So it's like, okay. And fortunately enough, you know, it was just cool just having you on as well as just a bunch of other people on, you know, because I was just like, hey, what what do we want to see in a podcast? That's kind of what you got to do, because everyone's going to kind of take another formula that they heard on some other radio or podcast and just kind of play around with that. Like, And so I was like, hey, let's recast some cheesy B movies or mystery science theater themed stuff if we if they had a bigger budget or competent, more competent crew. <laughs> and that was just kind of the fun essence of it all. So to be yeah. called here for TBS, this is just a blessing because, I mean, I was 14, you know, when they were doing their TBS original movies. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, and it's interesting when we think about TBS, because I think they really do have a place in sort of the, the development of action movies, especially for like the home, the home viewing market. And I, and I think you, you mentioning being a Misty, I think is important because I think all of us, you know, being Misty's, I think it, it added a level to watching TV for us where it's like, you know, you, you grow up watching movies with, with family and you make fun of it. You make jokes. Um, you know, I, yeah. I, I remember watching lethal weapon two with my dad and um you know i'd always had this idea that you know like low budget movies you know like like old you know 60s you know 50s 60s uh sci-fi that they would show on tv at, mm -hmm. at, at that time you know i understood that was something you made fun of but there was this idea that well if it's a big screen movie that has just got this huge campaign you know mel gibson danny glover <laughs> everywhere there was an, an idea that you don't make fun of those movies and i remember watching that with my dad and my dad like just essentially like in this dry like 
uh, you know, comment, commentator type voice, essentially called everything that was happening in the movie before it happened. Like, oh, okay, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the bad guys just ran. Yeah, go chase the car down the road. <laughs> oh, now it's time to kill the girl off. Yeah, it's time to do all, you know. And I'm thinking yeah. like, wow. So even these big movies can be cliche. And I think it changed a lot of how I saw movies where it was, and of course my dad probably never remembers this, 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 this ever happening, but it was something that kind of changed, you know, how I see movies. And then of course MST3K comes out and I, I actually watched that with him, um, you know, when we were watching it together in the early nineties. And, and that was sort of this idea that not only can you just, you know, make jokes about movies, but you can like, you know, have your own commentary track throughout the movie with your friends. Um, and that just took a whole bunch of movies that I think, you looked at before and said, like, like a roadhouse, which we'll be talking about, you know. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, it was a movie that, 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 that it was it was kind of just like a throwaway action movie in the late 80s. Now it becomes something different when you're, you're able to sit there with your buddies and riff on it about this idea of a legendary bouncer and all of that. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Sort of how, especially with, with, with the way cable TV changed over time, but sort of the way, the way we kind of interact with movies now. It's a very good point because I mean now the cable channels, it's hard to distinguish them now. Right. I mean, because I mean AMC was always the one. You know, that's what originated in them wanting stuff like Mad Men or Breaking Bad. They were airing Falling Down and all the Death Wish movies and marathons, and uh, Sci-Fi Channel. You know, they they were airing legit. You know, just cult movies as well as more recent stuff. There was it was not uncommon to see. Uh, on occasion, the Star Trek movies, as well as just more drive-in stuff like the Alligator films, uh, anything by Lionsgate. You know, it wasn't uncommon to see a boring Albert Pion uh, fight fest on there. There was uh, plenty of other stuff like the Leprechaun, as well as uh, uh, I'm trying to think. Um, there was another bunch of key stuff, just Event Horizon, just very edgy. You know, always trying to change the game and take a lot of cult movies while mixing it in with legit original TV productions before they decided let's, you know, do deliberately cheesy stuff, right. you know? <laughs> uh, and yeah, TBS was definitely, it, it's always so well. I mean, they've always kind of maintained that we're going to air a lot of comedic stuff, but at night, you know, we're going to air a lot of unusual movies that TNT's airing less of, and you know, just kind of, like you say, creates a whole new kind of cult station. Uh, there, there's a lot of people I talked to who talked about how they discovered so much stuff from there. You know, they, if they weren't watching a Patrick Swayze movie, they were definitely watching uh, I Come in Peace, also known as Dark Angel with Dolph Lundgren, Lundgren as well as, uh, uh, like you say, the Lethal Weapon stuff was never uncommon. You know, you'd see so many other just kind of cult movies on there. I'm, I'm sure Caddyshack got, used to get played on there a bunch. Uh, and, you know, TNT was always just kind of, even before the whole We Know drama, they were just kind of <laughs> legit. They had to, they they made watching edited movies so much fun, especially when they modified it, because they, they were always just looking for just edgy content. It's like, it, it wouldn't be uncommon. Just you wake up at six or seven in the morning, and you'd see some new edgy thriller with some famous star hanging off a cliff, you know? Right. I, I remember, I think it was Switchback with, uh, Dennis Quaid, uh, spoiler, fighting serial killer uh, Danny Glover. Then there was Ricochet, which was an HBO original movie with uh, Denzel Washington being terrorized Cape Fear style by uh, psychopath John Lithgow. And so it was very 
uh, around 2004, 2006, that's when I pretty much recalled that just basically everybody was taking they, they were that's where the networks definitely changed up their programming you know much like bread and ties video story memory i definitely remember when you know they started totally changing and fucking excuse my french with all it's okay we have the uh, all, tag, so you're okay uh, that's, per- that's perfect yeah <laughs> they they started messing with all the programming it's like whoa everything's yeah. changing all of a sudden you know and so i mean USA Network was always kind of edgy from what I recall, but all of a sudden you started seeing them go, you know, it's like, we're not going to air reruns of Coach or Wings anymore. Now we're going to air, you know, we're going to air, you know, we're already airing, you know, the Law & Order shows reruns, but now we're airing a bunch of other edgy content. We're airing a lot of edgy movies, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, it's, uh, you know, it's interesting you mentioned the mid-2000s because you know what happens at that time is that you know TNT. You know, I, I guess at that I, I don't. You know, Turner was Ted Turner was like buying up a whole bunch of stuff, and um, I can't remember exactly when he acquired the MGM catalog. But there's a point. I'm uh, not sure either. Yeah, somewhere around that. But I, remember I know because TNT used to air a lot of. They were pretty much Turner Classic Movies, right? You know, Channel Two. Yeah. And then they just realized we can't. You know. What's the point? We got to air more recent stuff. And so, yeah, they would always air, you know, 80s and 90s hit movies. It wasn't uncommon to just have a bunch of Bruckheimer type stuff on there. And it seemed to be more stylish uh, post uh, 2006, 2009, because that was more fun just seeing how their channel them and sci-fi's uh, channel voices got even deeper and deeper. But mm-hmm. going back to TBS, it is funny how they were kind of the ones who briefly experimented with the whole, just let's make original movies on our cable channel. Yeah. And uh, do you by any chance have any memories of dinner and a movie? Yeah. So, so dinner, a movie, I remember. <laughs> I, yeah. There was, no, that was my introduction movie. to him. Yeah. Now was that the one that had, um, uh, Bobby Bacala from, or that was, no, that wasn't Bobby Bacala. There was another one that had Bobby Bacala and um, I, I, I cannot remember her first name. Um, Howard Stern's wife who does the, uh, the kitten bowls now, which my wife I and I like to watch. I did not know that, uh, but I, I just remember every kind of movie being on there. The sister yes. act movies, even yes. Blue Lagoon, uh, lock up with Stallone. So yeah. Yes. And their, their website, which I think got taken down by around 06. I mean, they would mm-hmm. even play other more recent movies that were just outrageous, like, you know, The Rush Hours, Men in Black, uh, Ballistic X vs. Sever, and even uh, The Mummy. That's and right. they, they, they were, I mean, in Demolition Man, uh, that was another introduction to them, is like, is like, but that was my indication that, hey, these movies are edited for time and format, but it's still kind of cool to see something that's just out of this world, all these kind of cult kind of films. And so... It was interesting how uh, uh, do you by any chance remember uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not? That was another groundbreaking That's... show hosted yeah. by Superman himself, Dean Kane. And Dean next Kane. thing you know, it, like I think it goes off the air around 02, but by 04 or 06, it's on, you know, syndicated on Sci-Fi Channel. And I liked how they experimented with that. It was just morbidly fascinating without being just, you know, flat out, oh, you know, trash. It was just fun. And but yeah, no, from like around oh two oh 2001 to around oh four oh five that that they had a bunch of uh they, they, actually yeah it was just oh four they they pretty much had to close down they just weren't getting any viewership despite doing original movies but a lot of people remembered their stuff because 
it was around the same time sci-fi channels doing it and then lifetime channels trying to put their feet in the game and they start you know lifetime kind of gets infamous a little later because it's just the same formula every time you know right. single white female yeah the uh, wrong movies right david dakota and uh and eric roberts and vivica a fox i know those are those oh are yeah popular and, now yeah yeah it's, yeah it's amazing before, i mean you, you Before they, now, it's funny they recently have kind of changed their viewer they've changed their <laughs> management again i mean they're still having those schlock movies as well as their classic ones but now it's like when they're not doing that now they're getting entirely different shows to syndicate now it used to be right. they would just air reruns of sitcoms like uh uh you know civil uh fraser will and grace and you know, now they're changing up to totally different stuff. Now they're playing just more and more like stuff reruns of like the closer and even uh just different types of reality shows. Now they don't want to be just you know Oxygen or AMC 2.0. Now they're just like right. any true life story or like we're now we're gonna start airing uh, movies like Taken now and now we're gonna you know now we're gonna look for a Goodfellas type movie or another true life serial killer movie in addition to doing all the schlock that makes ratings go up so and sci-fi channel they, they kind of stopped doing that occasionally they will air an asylum movie that they're premiering but it's kind of wild how now they're going back into the mode that they were around circa 97 do you remember the movie the show first wave oh yes yeah yep. very fun cult movie i always knew about it can never catch it and uh uh yeah sci-fi channel was also cool with its website how it would introduce people as well as signify any cult appeal i remember even they defended battlefield earth is like the spaceships are amazing in this movie you know they would defend every kind of sci-fi movie airing on their station but they definitely went for a lot of more just kind of very edgy stuff like just uh uh john carpenter's body bags they would air a bunch of other just more just mind-bending kind of cult movies that were had previously aired on you know upn showtime as well as uh and this is before they even, you know, bought the rights to air the remaining seasons of, you know, the the new Outer Limits and, of course, Stargate SG-1. So it's just interesting how they were all just changing about. I mean, they even tried more edgy, uh, you know, uh, miniseries or two-night or one-night movie events, like uh, a sequel to, a loose sequel to Firestarter, but it was kind of done in the style of the X-Men films. And right. they had... Yes, I remember that. Yeah. Uh, then there was Clyde Barker's uh, Soul Seeker or something, which was not a hit, but, you know, it's good on paper, but it's just another one, just someone, horror maestro, puts their name on it. Uh, it, it was just always interesting what they were trying to do back in the day, but, God, I don't know how anyone really even saw their movies because they did air them so damn late. It's like, unless, you know, and so I looked out. I was able to watch a bunch of stuff, you know, after school. I mean, because I wasn't going to read. I was going to watch every right. kind of crazy movie or show and see what my classmates were even talking about. And, I mean, TBS was definitely an interesting one because they they kind of just killed their movie outlet before it got going. I think it could have been proved. And, I mean, you've reviewed a bunch of their movies. I mean, there's Red Water with Lou Diamond Phillips and Coolio. Then there's... Right. Uh, which was a crazy, unusual take on the Jaws formula. And it made sense. Lou Diamond Phillips had already been in a few creature features, like, you know, the first Power and Bats. And uh, uh, the other one that I saw uh, promoted a lot was a pre-Criminal Minds, uh, Thomas Gibson. Uh, he and uh, Catherine Heigl are, you know, 
it's basically a knockoff of the first power as well as Fallen with Denzel, you know, just dead serial killer, you know, in supernatural form, terrorizing a top-notch, you know, profiler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. uh, that got ever, it was Evil Never Dies. That was the name of it, 2003 premiered. And there was Invincible with Billy Zane, Brian Mann. And in the bold letters, it said, from producers Jet Lee and Mel Gibson. And I think Joel Silver also produced it, but they added that extra name power, you know, because it's mm-hmm. fresh off. You know, martial arts are becoming a thing now with Matrix and Kiss of the Dragon type movies out. And uh, it, it was cool to just see every channel kind of having an identity. Now, don't get me wrong. They do have their identity now, but it is still annoying how... I mean, I'm not sure anyone would really be watching TBS if they didn't play, you know, Friends and Seinfeld and, you know, now they have Conan. But I mean, it would have been interesting to see how they would have gone on. I don't think any of these channels would have survived. They had to just pretty much cater to uh, identity far from themselves. It's just part of the market, unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's interesting with TBS because, you know, when uh, (laughs) – yeah, it's funny because they – you know, in the mid-2000s – Oh, can you hear me? Yes, I can. <laughs> okay, perfect. Um, yeah, you know, with TBS, it's interesting because in the mid two thousands, they, um, you know, they, they 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 pick up movies like Roadhouse, and I remember reading an article in GQ, which I could not find the actual article. I found an oh, article no. that they did about like the the what they call the twenty five you know most you know the twenty five baddest movie or worst movies ever or you know, best bad movies or something <laughs> like that. And Roadhouse was number one. And um, they also Aww. talked with Kevin Smith about Jersey Girl. He talked about how you know how a bad movie happens. How you know he didn't intend Jersey Girl. He was talking about you know G League when that movie came out. How bad that was and you know. Yeah, that, that was his response to that. He's like, I want to do at least a good movie with these two stars in it. Right, and even it ended though, up just as bad. Even though the yeah, it and was he still didn't pretty ridiculed. Yeah, exactly. It's funny you bring up Kevin Smith because Roadhouse has been not only just remastered and re-released so many times. I mean, and like you say, I mean, TBS and TNT reruns. I mean, that's where I recall seeing it a lot. And then it was weird. Uh, Then by at least 06, uh, I was seeing it get played on even other stations like uh, uh, FX cable would play it every once in a while, I think. And then uh, Spike TV, you know, so it was weird how it just changed uh, handlers every so every once in a while. Uh, Now, if you want to find it, the channel that airs it most often, besides one of the paid channels, is uh, country music television. So <laughs> it's interesting how everybody's lost their identity. Uh, I would say out of all the Turner stations, though, that have evolved, uh, TNT's airing pretty much every other blockbuster now. So, like, it, it's not – instead of just, you know, airing uh, – Matrix or Die Hard with a Vengeance for the billionth time, you know, now they've stopped even airing like reruns of their typical shows. Like you're no longer going to see Bones or Law and Order on there. Now you're going to see just Supernatural and uh, uh, they used to do CSI New York. Now they don't even do that. Now it's like, uh, I do you remember when they would, sh- they and Sci-Fi Channel would both air uh, X-Files reruns. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, that was a cool introduction to that, and now it's like no more. Uh, Sci-Fi Channel can only – or BBC America is the only one that's airing uh, X-Files reruns now, and Chiller Disney used to do that, it too. Does Disney own X-Files yeah. now when they bought Fox? So they're going to either right. vault it or put it on Disney+. Plus. It's going to be one or the other. It's, uh... I, I don't think they could because, I mean, it, it seems like uh, all the Fox TV shows – I mean, unless it's like a kid-friendly thing, it, they're just going to remain on Hulu. 
Yeah. Oh, good point. Good point. Because they, they, they said them. we'll stay out of your TV department, but unfortunately, right. you know, uh, the movie deals that were going on is like they pretty much just killed them all. So yeah. I was like, yeah. Oh, uh, shame. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting though. Do you remember how Sci-Fi Channel for the longest time, just kind of like how Cartoon Network for the longest time, they, they were, you know, they still will only. I mean, even Adult Swim is not the same as it used to be. So they will only air their latest stuff, and you have to get Boomerang if you want to air the old yeah. school cartoons. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of what Sci-Fi Channel did with the uh, Chiller Channel. But then mm-hmm. that went defunct about circa 2016, 2017. 2017 it was. And it was they were airing so much stuff. It's like, oh, I wish they would, you know, they would air this. You know, they were airing reruns of every other kind of 80s show, like, you know, the Nightmare on Elm Street show, uh, Friday the 13th show, as well as uh, a bunch of other just cult uh, TV shows, as well as just cult movies. It's like, oh, I've heard about that. I've never seen it. You know, it's got Brad Dourif. It's got uh, Tobin Bell. It's got these kind of horror maestros. And uh, they, 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 I was introduced to so many other just Twin Peaks, X-Files knockoff shows on there. And that, that uh, there were some good ones. Uh, there was this one called The Gates that had a then unknown uh, Frank Grillo you know, pre-Purge, pre-Captain America, and uh, it ends on a cliffhanger, but it's worth seeing. Um, and there was a bunch of other just shows that I got into, and it's like, oh, I wish they would air these, you know, because these are just legit, just very well orchestrated. Now, sci-fi's gone back to, you know, let's see what other Canadian show we can export, because right. you know, clearly we're not going to buy or create anything new. It's just not, we don't have that much traction, unfortunately. Um they used to air a lot of other, just every other kind of Star Trek show rerun, but even that just kind of felt after a while. It just wasn't getting ratings, unfortunately. Um, uh, and they just killed everything else just way too soon. They just eh, Battlestar Galactica, Eureka. They, but then again, to be fair, they had bad management. They were just like, oh, it's just for geeks. So once word about that got out, it just became pretty clear they didn't respect their fan base. Uh, TNT is kind of a mess now. I mean, they're not bad if you want to see uh, one of the latest blockbusters. So if you want to see something like, you know, any every other thing from Universal, Lionsgate, or even Disney and Warner Brothers, it, it's definitely going to be there in their vault. But uh, ironically, the one that's kind of evolved the most and kind of keeps going is Turner Classic Movies. Everyone just keeps coming back because now they really are changing up and seeing what stuff in their vault they haven't aired in you know, centuries. Uh, everyone's really digging their Friday nights because, you know, by midnight, they start airing a lot of cult, you know, drive-in type movies. Yeah. And uh, it, it just was always so wild because they very rarely would air, you know, TVMA type movies, you know. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they would, but, uh, and occasionally they they did get some hate mail. as like every once in a while they would do Oscar Week and they would air, you know, whatever one best picture. And I think, you know, within these last few years, they've aired Lord of the Rings, Return of the King is like, no, 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 that's too soon. (laughs) But um, I can understand heat or LA confidential, but no, it's, you know, past 97, you've lost me. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because I think the thing to, you know, that, you know, going back to the mid 2000s or even kind of like the early to mid 2000s at that time, you know, on demand was a relatively new thing. There was definitely yes. no Netflix streaming. You know, there's no streaming. There was, you know, so if you wanted something at midnight, if you wanted to watch something at midnight, um, you could fire up the VCR or the DVD player and, and 
put something on. But if you just wanted a TV, a lot of times TBS and, and a midnight airing of Roadhouse was what was going to do the trick for you. And you know nowadays you just fire up your, your your streaming device and you just pick from any you know number of things to watch, and it's very easy. And it's you know I, I do it you know a lot of times to fall asleep at night. I'll I'll fire something up. My wife and I will fire something up. And um, but at that time it was very different. And I think that really changed. I think a lot of how. Um, you know, you know, TBS was doing something different at that time where they were like, you know, we're going to put movies on, you know, Roadhouse, we have Roadhouse, we own it. It's not going to do anything for us at noon. It's not going to do anything for us at eight at night. But if we put it on at midnight, we're going to do better in that slot than a lot of other channels are doing at midnight. And, yeah. You know, for people it, of our ilk, it worked really well because we, we were happy to see it there. Yeah. We were either staying up too late or, you know, uh, if you were a mom or a dad in that respect, yeah, you, right, yes. you you got back off of your, you know, work at five, you know, you, and you either fire up a TV dinner and sit down with the kids or just it's either that or sports. You know, you definitely wanted something. And it was kind of, you know, becoming an edited format, you know, of their other Time Warner, you know, channels like Cinemax and HBO. But then it was just kind of more just kind of pioneered, you know, it was like this is cable TV. You were seeing, yeah. you know. We ha- all our channels have an identity, you know, and this is before USA Network, you know, goes from being just a comedy channel to a comedy and a crime channel, you know. Right, right. And it's like you're gonna watch Monk and Psych, which are, you know, whodunits and just <laughs> outrageously just unlike anything you've ever seen. And uh, now they've kind of. It's interesting how all the cable channels, you know, for the longest time, the only one that would dare to like even have like a tvma rating you know unless it was for a movie or show that even then had been modified or they would show at two on a very rare occasion you know because it was maybe a show that had like one you know r-rated worthy episode like x-files for instance uh, other than that you know the only one that was going to willing to do that was uh comedy central yeah you yeah. know and this is and already you know they they're no longer you know part of the hbo circuit they're you know they're not the comedy channel anymore they're now just you know comedy central and right, right. it's interesting how they went from just you know airing you know reruns of kids in the hall the uk version of whose lines it anyway uh, and you know they're trying to be more than just the Chappelle show uh you know dave attell uh or south park channel now they're trying to do something even more different and revamped uh sci-fi channel even retaliates and tries to to counter them with uh tripping the riff which is basically their cgi animated counterpart and it doesn't get uh farscape or stargate numbers so they they're back to the drawing board uh it's interesting though how uh yeah but yeah comedy central on just rare occasions you know uh, uh they they would pretty much have a comedy special or a comedy movie and they would air it on cut and now they still do it but uh and now it's just now you really got to just do something to really surprise people because now it's not it's kind of dumb now that usa even you know tnt i kid you not they they've been getting more graphic and more tvma rated stuff i mean i think it was one show i flat out saw just so much gore and even bare tits and i was like wow okay not something i would typically see but uh usa i mean it's kind of silly. They'll air uh, the various shows that they got now, some which are edgy, some which are just, yeah, whatever. This is a USA Network show. This is a summer show. But uh, it's interesting how they might air the TVMA version of when it originally airs, and then sometimes they air it as a TV14 version. They just, or TVMA, but they'll 
censor some of the language or other bizarre parts during the daytime. It's weird how they do it. That El Rey's doing it too and kind of having some trouble with what they're re-airing. Um, but no, uh, TNT's, uh, uh, they, they pretty much have, they haven't drawn themselves into a corner, but now they're pretty much trying to become the next FX. And it's so wild because FX started out as a family channel. And don't get me wrong, they still air reruns of, you know, Married with Children and other sitcom stuff. But they went from being an experimental, you know, Fox channel. is like now they're no longer just airing reruns. That they no longer are they airing reruns of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and even their DVD on TV. Now it is, well, what do you have that's going to be the next The Shield? Right. <laughs> uh, well, talk. Yeah, I mean it's interesting because if you you know you think about like the late '90s into the 2000s, you know you get some really big moments in TV. So yeah, early '90s is when MTV does the Real World, and and that's when you know reality mm-hmm. TV becomes a thing. And then of course in the late '90s, early 2000s, it takes off in the network vein with uh with Survivor. And so there's that part of it, but then at the same time HBO blows up with you know. Um, you know, Oz, Sopranos, The Wire, um, Real even, Sex, Real Sex. I mean, all those shows. And so these these cable channels were all kind of trying to figure out how do we fit into this this new area where it's either, you know, just you know what HBO's doing and how do you replicate what HBO's doing, or are you going to make more reality shows? And some of them, like you know, like VH1, obviously they went almost entirely reality. You know, MTV went almost yeah. entirely reality. They had some scripted shows, you know, in the evenings, but mostly reality. And TV has kind of split the difference, right? Where they were, they were doing like the, the Ashton Kutcher things, but then they were really trying to show movies that they had, either making new ones or or doing movies, and you know, trying to show TV shows like you know, you know, um, they 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 bring the Family Guy back. Um, they kind of resurrect it. Um, and and it's interesting how how TBS you know what TBS did in that period and at that 2000s period and I think for, for us you know for the kind of movies that we like to watch but also the TV shows too I think um, there was a sense that you could do you know that, that, that something like Roadhouse had um, a market that something like a Point Break had a market that there were people that would watch that kind of thing the same way that there were people that were wanting to watch Sopranos that there were people that were paying out you know for for an HBO. Uh, subscription because they had to watch The Sopranos and so that's when AMC decides okay we're not going to show old movies anymore we're going to show we're going to make shows like Walking Dead Mad Men um, Breaking Bad yeah but Walking Dead was even already just kind of a silly fiasco because then yep. they're just insisting this is a TV 14 rated show and everyone's right. complaining about yeah. the violence and then finally they relent by like season three they're like okay it's a TV yep. MMA show I'm like well you can tell this is not for kids right. this is not this is violent even by R-rated standards. And uh, it's interesting, though, how, like you say, the channels do go through new identity phases. Uh, I remember, you know, so O2 is pretty much, 2002 is when I ba- basically began the whole cable TV journey and just flip around and I, you know, get to study everything. FX is just airing very edgy content, very crazy stuff. Uh, and it's like, uh, you know, Everything from a eight millimeters type movie to every other kind of shocking, uh, broken arrow, diehard type knockoff that's made for TV or direct video airs on the afternoons or after 2 a.m. Uh, A&E, it's funny you bring them up because they did around like 05, 06, they tried airing edited format of the Sopranos so like they right I remember that censored the language and it just wasn't cutting the mustard everyone's just like 
why, why do I need to watch this? Why don't I just go to the video store and rent it? Yeah. Just, and so uh, around that same time, I mean, FX would air repeats of shows that had just aired. I mean, they already had other stuff in their vault that had aired on Fox Channel. They, they're, so, yeah, they're, I would always remember you'd see part of uh, Ally McBill or uh, uh, – uh, just some other just kind of outrageous sitcom show that would air on there. And then they, you know, they would also catch people up. They're like, okay, did you miss the initial run of uh, prison break or 24 or uh, any other kind of show? Well, we're, we're going to marathon it yeah. <laughs> the next few weekends, but a and E I remember would air, uh, try airing like reruns of like 24 and it just wasn't cutting the mustard on, you would have thought someone like TNT would want to have something like that. And they, they didn't. And so that, like you say, they were definitely way more experimental and that they know their identity, but they try out new stuff here and there. And, uh, A and E after a while just says, you know, I, I think they've even already just stopped airing reruns of other shows like, uh, uh, criminal minds. And now they're just back to reality city. They, they yeah. just can't keep up. Hey, History Channel will still show reruns of Modern Marvels, but it's just yeah. depressing because it's like this is like a 98 or 2007 era episode. I'm like, I want new stuff. Right. And, uh, so everybody's now they're they're pretty much about uh, the sister channels are all about anything we have. We have to share all the ratings. So, mm-hmm. you know, anytime there's like an iHeartRadio thing, like it airs uh, simultaneously on uh true tv which used to be court tv which i remember for airing you know reruns you know uncut reruns of profiler and nypd blue and mm-hmm. you know other true life murder mystery movies of the week along with smoking gun believe it or not documentaries um everyone forgets about that site uh and which were funny but sometimes depressing and uh yeah now is like anytime there's like an award show or even comedy event like it'll air simultaneously on tbs True TV, TNT, and maybe some other Time Warner owned station. But uh, same thing here. Uh, so since whatever it is that owns Oxygen, uh, Lifetime also owns, you know, AMC, History Channel, and A and E. You know, those are all part of the same like Rainbow Corporation. So they will air a lot of miniseries that will air all simultaneously. <laughs> Like they yeah. did one of War and Peace. They did one that was about uh, it was their answer to SEAL Team. It wasn't very good. It, it was just called Six, and, right. and it was just one of those that they do the exact same thing that USA would do. They would just air like a TV 14 version and TVMA version. And I'm like, there's not much difference except some language is censored and some isn't. It's just stupid and. Uh, there's no difference in the violence or sex because it's not anything you wouldn't really see in a hard PG-13, but it's just stupid. And it's it was even more funny how they put it on History Channel. Uh, History Channel, they are apparently getting some more acclaim because they are finally putting out some better documentaries and uh, reenactment movies. But for a while recently, they were kind of on a temper tantrum lately because they would air some stuff and it's like, yeah, all, these are alternative facts that the Tea Party came up with, right. <laughs> you know. The, the today's tea party not the american revolution is like the this is not what santa anna did or anything this, and these costumes are they from like a local theater in you know utah <laughs> what's this from um right. <laughs> yeah. and so i think they are just finally listening to the bad reviews and it's like okay we need a mini series that does give us an emmy we, we need 
So, it, like you say, some of these channels, for a while, they were trying to copy each other. ABC would have a few epic events because they wanted to counter, like you say, a Sopranos-type show in around the 90s and 2000s. And then by mid-2000s, they're trying to come up with something that can rival something like Showtime's The Tudors or uh, HBO's Rome. And they still can't keep up. But some of those shows aren't bad in other ways, but it's pretty much like how every other sci-fi show had to be like Star Trek or X-Files or Twin Peaks back in the day. So it, it definitely becomes interesting how back then, not only were they more risk-taking, but they would even, some of these channels would even air uh, episodes that were originally unaired. They were supposed to air, but the show got canceled. So sci-fi channel always became the one of, hey, uh, you know, if there's something from TNT or UPN, uh, like the Babylon 5 uh, spinoff show Crusade or mm-hmm. some other just kind of briefly lib show, you know, if there's five other episodes, sure, let's air them. And almost always everyone would, be, would think they would get picked up and they never would pick them up unless it was by Showtime for whatever reason. <laughs> they wanted those numbers, um, those ratings. And. It would get funnier, though, how, like you say, everyone would rediscover the shows on the other channels in syndication, or they would, again, uh, my, my favorite that I, that just showed me how, much like Star Trek, uh, some shows just not only get better with age, but are just timeless, no matter whether you're 14, you know, or, you know, 35, you're, you're just gonna love them for, from beginning to end, and uh, I was a fan of this show from, since I was eight, and you'll never guess what it was. It was the one, the only, uh, whose line is it anyway? The American right. version with uh, Drew Carey yeah. and Wayne Brady. And uh, it was, you know, it was just the perfect kind of show. If there was a joke, it was much like Mystery Science Theater and Monty Python. If there was something just too off color, it's like, okay, you know, on to the next skit, you know? Right, right, exactly, uh, yeah, if it doesn't work. And, and unfortunately, you know, Comedy Central was always trying to get numbers like that. And, you know, they would air some reruns of Mad TV at awkward times. But, you know, they, they even stopped doing that after a while since, like, uh, 2012. And that was kind of dumb. But uh, ABC Family, uh, before they became Freeform, they'd already been, you know, Fox Channel. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, after, like, 2000, they got, you know, bought by Disney. You know, before Disney took over Fox, they were just, you know, ABC family. And it was cool. It's like, okay, so something else, you know, my you know, my parents are digging is like, okay, we're taking some of the off color comedies and making it more, you know, kid friendly. Which inspired a bunch of hysterical YouTube videos is like what, you know, R rated movies gonna be edited on the family appropriate channel next. You know, and but but I it was very important for particular fans of certain shows because like they would air a lot of uh, lesser played uh, miniseries and you know cult uh family or made for tv films is like oh i remember that growing up on nickelodeon or disney that was a good movie you know and yeah. that was back when those channels were even taking stuff that wasn't in their vaults but you know was by anything from republic picture to republic pictures to uh do you remember nesta entertainment yeah, oh yeah yeah my my father uh, gave up his office, which later became the production studio for that Swan oh, Prince's wow. producing company. And uh, I would always just look at parts of it. And that was one of the first franchises I noticed, you know, years before looking at other uh, companies like uh, Terminator, how, uh, you know, you're never going to get a box set of this particular film franchise because, it, you know, each entry is owned by a different installment, you know. So, Nest, I think that's 
uh, I forget that that gets distributed by like New Line Cinema, and then like the next one is like owned by Fox, and then the other one is like also like Warner Brothers or something. <laughs> this is like or Paramount or something like that, and it just again just for whatever reason they could only distribute every time they find a distribution deal, it was always with a different company. But it, it was cool because back then, you know, they would even place some uh, Full Moon Entertainment had a, a kid-friendly company called uh, Moonbeam, and some of their movies would air on Disney Channel, and it was cool. Uh, everyone forgets this one obscure one, uh, Magic Island. I mean, every once in a while, my sister and I will go back and forth, and we'll tempt each other. Do you remember this movie with that? Oh, yeah, yeah, that was a very brilliant cartoon, you know, and yeah. it's cool because, you know, you wish there was that kind of imagination now. I mean, pretty much you're only left with Pixar nowadays. Everyone else is just kind of, you know, it's like, I wouldn't even show if I had kids, I would not show them this, you know, it's like, there's literally a talking piece of shit and, you know, <laughs> a kid's cartoon. That's, that's going to give them nightmares. I don't want to show them that. Right. Um, uh, but going back to ABC family, they, they were really good about, I mean, before they got pretentious and would just show something is like, yeah, I don't think any parent wants to show them that uh, they occasionally would have some original programming that wasn't half bad uh, that even launched a few careers. They had this one called Chasing Life, where it's like this one gal find it's kind of a Groundhog's Day formula. Uh, she finds out how to kind of redo her life and how she was actually beloved before she passed away or something like that. It was a catchy premise, kind of like uh, Showtime's Dead Like Me, which was another show that kind of caught on in syndication when it was modified and edited for Sci-Fi Channel. Uh, and it launched the career of Italia Rishi, who went on to do a bunch of other TV shows like Designated Survivor and what have you. Um, but ABC Family was always finding out something different. And it was good to have that on because, you know, this is when all the other channels, you know, TNT and USA are showing some kind of over the top movie and FX is just showing, you know, and Comedy Central is showing, you know, stuff that no one should be watching. That's <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, under 17. Sure. Uh, yeah. But ABC, but whose line was just showed you how comedy is timeless that, you know, they're doing various games. They are talented people. They can sing and dance that, you know, and everyone thinks they're, it's all scripted. They're making it up. It's like, no, they're not making it up. That That is the art of improv and they're introducing it. And it, after Drew had launched a few other spinoff shows, trying to get this show to survive in some capacity. And they always would, ABC would always give them the silent treatment. You know, at the end of the day, some of the DVDs would sell big because people were rediscovering it on ABC Family. And the, the, the producers were very weird in how they worked that particular show because much like every other syndicated show, they had so much stuff that was basically alternate takes. So they would make alternate episodes, let alone different episodes, let alone new episodes. And so as a result, there was a bunch of new stuff that Unless you recorded at the time, it only aired on that channel. It had never aired before, and it was so cool. And uh, that was back when they were willing to even air various shows, like have one total hour dedicated to. It. It's like, okay, let's air two 30-minute episodes of a show. And I miss that. I miss those days. I think so many shows would survive because what I'm seeing now with uh, fo uh, both Fox and NBC, they're still trying out new sci-fi shows and they never get the ratings they want. Uh, and so many people is like, uh, you, you can tell when a, when a studio just wants the show to die a violent death. It's either yes. been costing them too much money or they just don't like it. It's amazing how after spending millions, they just want it to die without giving it a chance. 
and yeah. at some Emmy bait or anything. And it's just dumb because then, you know, it always gets good ratings on Hulu. They just seem much like how everyone wants to kind of say DVD versus Blu-ray versus streaming. It's like now it always comes down to for networks. I mean, there's been even some illegal cases where it was pretty clear that some of them got good ratings, but they outright lied or something or oh, yes, paid someone yeah. to modify it. So it's just sad. It's just like, okay, I'm, uh, I've seen so many people even cancel their DVR subscriptions because, you know, they didn't have a way to record the recordings. And I'm like, well, you have a DVR, but you don't have the DVR recorder. So therefore it's useless. You know, you just gotta have, you gotta pay whatever extra for that because that's, all the good stuff airs when you're, you know, at five in the morning when you're at work. So, I mean, uh, and I, I can't survive commercials. I can't even watch live TV much anymore. So I, I, I do have to use the DVR and it, it is annoying because you kind of get a sense of what shows will survive. I know if it's a long time, you know, pretentious doctor show, or if it's on CBS for that matter, it's going to last X amount. I don't know how they get the ratings they do, but they do. And, uh, everything else pretty much is always unless you see it opening week and it gets you know 20 million viewers it, it's not going to survive and it's just sad to still be seeing that because i mean it just looks like an awkward blurb on everyone's resume is like a show that lasted 13 episodes is it even any good <laughs> yeah yeah and it, it is the reality of it that it, it's there's so many factors that go into it right it's first off it needs to pull certain numbers where it's like you know, on a cable channel, it doesn't need to pull the same numbers that it needs to pull on a network show and then on Hulu, and it, you know, and then also, you know, is there some kind of turnover in the network where it's like the person that oh, was yeah. championing the show is no longer there. And so now this new yeah. person comes in and they don't like it. And and so it, there's so many things that go into it where it's like you, you almost kind of feel like, you know, like one of the problems I have with Netflix is the way that Netflix shows work is they're like 10 hour movies. And so it, it, you get this fatigue involved, but it does feel like net, Netflix is a place that they, because of they give people more freedom and they, they let things breathe a little bit more. It, 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 unfortunately, that's what happens is you end up with these 10-hour movies or 13-hour movies instead of you know, more mm -hmm. episodic TV. But it is nice if we could get that happy medium where you can get you know, really good stuff that's happening on different channels where it doesn't need to – you know, it doesn't, doesn't need to kill it, right? It doesn't need to be a, a breakaway success, but, you know, it, it's a lot to breathe and maybe build a following over time and, and get that kind of cult. You know, because, I mean, you, you take The Family Guy, for example, which is, you know, it's not a sci-fi show, but it yeah, died. No, you know, it, it was canceled on Fox, and then it gets picked mm -hmm. back up, and suddenly it's like now the second longest running, or I guess third longest running, right? Because uh, Meet the Press is the longest, and then, I guess, I don't know, 60 Minutes, and then, you know, <laughs> and then the Simpsons, and then Does Family Guy, right? So it's like any soap know, opera has lasted. Like, that's right. Those, those soap yeah. operas. That's right. They've been around <laughs> forever too. So so it's 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 one of the one of the longest running shows. So it's it's a uh, it's amazing. Um, yeah, and I think that's something that you know with 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 the different outlets that we have now. I think what's going to be interesting to see is how one how YouTube um, affects this process, but also how the streaming services and then you know maybe to see if there's some sort of a, a regression back to the mean where these channels that are either doing all reality stuff or they're just doing re runs um you know if they maybe come back i mean one of the things i loved about the the 2000s was that a lot of channels like usa um tbs tnt they would show dtv stuff in windows where it wasn't a big time and now it's like well why would i show a dtv movie when i can show i can fit in two reruns of law and order in that window 
Um, it's going to be interesting to see if maybe something like that comes back too, where, you know. Yeah. Cause I mean, even in the mid two thousands, they still kind of had the same kind of approach. We're going right. to show the newest, I mean, they would show the newest Wesley Snipes, Seagal or Van Damme yeah. movies on there. And Spike TV was also pretty good about that. It's like, they would take a lot of dubbed movies from dimension films and Sony pictures that starred Jet Li or Jackie Chan and put those on there. And they would also air, uh, also, just the latest uh, Dolph Lundgren or Van Damme movies on there once in a while. It, and it, it it got even more kind of just uh, bizarre when uh, after a while they just, without warning, they would just change their programming. But uh, it was always cool to just kind of have the interaction in the early days, you know, even when we're still using uh, GeoCities to just see how the wet. I know I couldn't resist how the Love websites it. for these actual channels were just as, you know, heavy in content, you know, they were embracing it, but they had to. And yeah. now it's like, no one real, everyone's just kind of look I looking at the digital version of a TV guide, you know, seeing if they mm-hmm. want to even watch anything. And uh, like you say, because now actors aren't uh, limited by what they have to choose anymore. Now is like, I've gotten into so many stupid arguments with people is like, Oh, I only watched it because of so-and-so now right. I'm not interested. I'm like, really? So I guess the content wasn't good. Cause I don't like it when a movie can't stand on its own two feet or a show isn't intriguing enough. And it's relying on just whoever's the beautiful or very talented star. And <laughs> it's like, okay, like I, I'm watching uh, Tommy right now and I have no, doubt that it'll last a few more seasons because it's by the creator of homicide and bull and uh you know it's got eddie falco from sopranos and oz so you know it's got the star power and it's got the cast writing but uh, there's already plenty of other people who probably won't tune into it you know they're they got problem with strong women or i don't know they're just tired of cop shows so i mean it, it is interesting how like you say we got so many different formulas and then again there's all these other shows that get a second chance and all the other ones that get ignored. So, I mean, Netflix allowed uh, Longmire, which was one of A&E's highly rated shows that they wanted nothing to do with. They wanted more reality shows, despite the numbers not lying. Mm -hmm. And they gave at least four extra seasons to that one. And so many people I know, including relatives, you know, I'd already been watching it when it premiered and really liking it. I was like, this is a very heartfelt, old school, modern day Western uh, with very talented character actors. And, uh, you know, or shall I say it's justified, but with less uh, racist rednecks and uh, uh, criminals. And uh, yeah, uh, so many people I know only knew about it because it was on Netflix and, you know, they watched a bunch of it, really loved it, you know, and the Native American themed crimes, Lou Diamond Phillips was really stealing every scene he was on on that show. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it just hit home once it was like a poetry come to life. It was just a rare kind of show that unless you see it, you just can't really describe it, that kind of rare show. And it's funny how every other show they bought has only lasted one or two more seasons because they don't want to have to, uh, like you say, they are getting cheap and more kind of just, they're also kind of playing a ratings game because, you know, their version of ratings for digital is based on the number of clicks and, you know, how much time has elapsed watching it. Uh, I'm surprised that places like Tubi and Crackle have even survived as long as they have. I, I think because they're kind of doing the Amazon strategy of have a little of everything. And, you know, after a while, certain stuff you have to pay for as opposed to stream for free and other stuff we're just going to have to take down because the content, you know, 
uh, agreement expired. But uh, going back to the Family Guy point, it is interesting how many shows got a second chance. Uh, it didn't seem like I don't know what caused shows like Arrested Development to come back. I think it just was a big, big enough fan base of TV cells because it wasn't getting that much play in, you know, syndication uh, channels like HDNet. Uh, so I think, but it was interesting how they brought that one back. And then everyone was like, we're glad it's back, but it's not really the same. So then they ended up redoing a season. I'm like, damn, you're allowed to do that? I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, uh, it would be interesting. Uh, would you say Shudder's kind of be going to become the equivalent of TBS for streaming? Because they're kind of taking a lot of cult stuff as well as new and edgy content that, you know, plays at sci-fi fantasy festivals as well as, you know, stuff that's almost as big as cons, but not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Would you, you say know, I, they're becoming the next one? They could be. You know, I think what would, would help Shudder is if they do something like Shout Factory did where they have a, a, an agreement with yes. Tubi where you can get their stuff on Tubi. I think, you know, one of the problems right now is that, you know, people are locked in with, you know, with Netflix and Hulu. And now they're adding Disney Plus. Like the, the, the Disney Plus seems to have enough to add that. But like I know people like, you know, I, I think Criterion is one that not many people have added. I didn't add that one. I think to get people to it add another service. It used to be service, part of Hulu, believe it or not. Right, exactly. I remember like that. Criterion. I remember everything was on Hulu. Oh, it was so and great. And they're like, screw you. We're not <laughs> splitting our profit. You're, and But a lot of people's other podcasters like uh, Cinemasicast, mm-hmm. uh, uh, which is – co-hosted by the creator of good bad flicks have you ever listened to them no not yet i've been meaning to they're that. under yeah they're under 1201 radio i uh my good buddy the cinema drunkie introduced me to them and they are just lovely just very lovely lovely people just really like you just looking at the philosophy of entertainment and uh uh it was really cool to uh, hear them talk about how criterion you know is doing just very rare just vhs masters of oh, stuff yeah. that you probably you couldn't even afford these out of print stuff and they don't even have a DVD or Blu-ray release of this certain, you know, obscure classic, you know, hard sci-fi 60s, 70s production. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and yes, you can probably, you know, Amazon's always been kind of a compromise and some people have said that looks like Blu-ray quality. That looks like a really bad VHS scanned <laughs> DVD print. And so like you say, we have too many options. And at the same time, some of it's a good thing. And there's a lot of bad things in terms of now everyone has to, like you say, kind of play the lottery and how much am I going to pay per month? Cause I can't possibly, the average individual can't possibly pay for all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I always embraced a lot of third party movie sites. That was always kind of the go-to for me. You know, I, I found out so much cool stuff on YouTube before it be, you know, everything started getting taken down. Mm-hmm. I, I was even, I did not know I had no problem watching mega upload. I tried to abstain from watching stuff that was, you know, currently playing in theaters. That was a bad, you know, uh, cell phone rip, but I would still just watch stuff that had recently, you know, been ripped from DVD or Blu-ray cause it was just fun and all. But, uh, and mo- more likely than not, if I saw it on a third party site, I would often, you know, buy it eventually and, and be like, I-, I know a friend who would love this movie or this would be a great party movie. Um, or just be a good movie in general for me to just loan out to people because it's that special kind of rare gem. Um, and it, like you say, it was getting interesting. Uh, I, I had no idea that, uh, you know, they were making money off of, you know, other people's copyrighted stuff. And so then when I saw them secretly re-upload 
that's when you know all bets were off it's like man copyright's gonna get more stricter because you know instead of just doing a harmless out of print you know can't even find at a thrift store movie now it's a matter of you know has the copyright pretty much expired and no one's gonna ever release it unless they have a vhs first come first serve uh i've found out so many sitcoms so many other just wacky cult shows that no one's ever gonna find on youtube still and I like how we're still seeing a bunch of that. We're even seeing, you know, rare workout tapes and promos and other kind of just cool, just kind of uh, even blooper tapes and even comedy roasts you know, that no one even knew took place that are just very awesome. So there's always going to be kind of this third party. I mean, Daily Motion, I see just outrageous stuff uploaded on there all the time. Um, trying to get into this Hong Kong film series called The Young and Dangerous. <laughs> which is about a bunch of triads fighting Yakuza and all. And it was a cult series and all, but I'm more likely to watch it on there as opposed to buy the just outrageous, you know, <laughs> box sets, some which, you know, are only in region free mm-hmm. format. I'm like, yeah, I, I can't, I, I can't play a VCD at this time. So, I mean, right. Uh, it's getting harder to even find certain region two DVDs on even Amazon. Um, uh, and but like you say, like and you mentioned in other episodes as well as Bread and Ties, you know, come up and reviews podcast. It's interesting how, you know, the whole it's rare and first come first serve. You had to remember back in the day is gone. So now it's a matter of can you even find it and do you have to pay out the ass for it? I mean, <laughs> you you might find it at a good price, but you won't get like you say the cool box cover art. You're just gonna get a because that's part of the value or that might be it the seller flat out just lost the case and he's like i got this dvd hanging around that i know someone wants to buy for 20 bucks <laughs> right. exactly exactly well again we're, we're just about out of time here um oh, we damn. wrap up though this <laughs> is going to be our 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 saint Pat- this is airing on saint patrick we you and i are talking oh, the man. day before saint patrick's day but this will be on saint patrick's day um do you have oh, any man. any any traditions or anything that you do uh, on saint patrick's day I I used to be, you know, who's going to pinch whoever first. I would always <laughs> go to Drake Relays uh, for reunions with my family friends mm-hmm. uh, in Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, I, I never asked them, though, if this cult movie that get, got aired commonly on Spike TV every St. Patty's Day, a little known uh, cult movie called The Boondock Saints. I never asked anyone if they were a fan of that one. And it seems like that one was another interesting one that <laughs> got played on HBO and Spike TV endlessly. And then kind of, uh, I don't know how many legion of fans there are now, but that that's an interesting kind of uh, movie that I'm wondering if they always talked about doing a third one. I wonder if it will come out on St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> you know what happened was I think the second one didn't do too well. I, and yeah. I think that hurt Defoe them. Defoe even went uncredited, so yeah. he didn't want to be there. So doing his cameo at returning as his smart-ass detective. So right. uh, yeah. I, th- I think it's interesting, though, how everybody was like, yeah, Troy Duffy. I saw the documentary about him. He's such a douchebag. And then everyone starts seeing all this crappy stuff about Tarantino. And then you kind of see how everyone is about their morals. They're like, yeah, well, 
at least Tarantino's cool, even though he's a douche. <laughs> so it's like, okay, well, I don't, I don't understand right. it, but okay. Right, that's the rule. Right, that's the thing I think nowadays is that because we're we're learning that pretty much everybody is a douchebag, like you said, mm-hmm. it's like you have to decide which ones you like and which ones you don't like. And so it's leave the it at same because yeah. I mean, if there's anything better about St. Patty's Day, it's definitely seeing some cool comedy or music yeah. be played on that day. And yeah. uh, I think we're we're at a danger in terms of comedians kind of becoming irrelevant really fast because I mean, uh, plenty of other podcasters have brought up is like okay, start being more you know creative instead of complaining about what's PC, what's not. Right. And now now we're getting to the point where it's like it doesn't take long for someone to use their best material and they're instantly dead. That's kind of what happened to Carlos Mencia. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and it's kind of what's happening right now to Kevin Hart and Amy Schumer. You know, instantly, you know, we have people who's who are like, oh, I don't mind them, and then there's other people who's like, eh, they were cool five years ago, and now they suck. And yeah. so, you're you're definitely seeing a a lot of comedians kind of have to uh, pretty much if you're on Comedy Central or whatever current late night show, then you're gold. You know, yeah. and I I like how Conan O'Brien still will have a stand up performer uh do a set and that there's someone who's mainly doing some youtube or uh website exclusive performances so uh, i would like to hope that uh comedy is looking bright and that there's definitely more creative avenues uh i i do definitely miss the days of when there was a certain holiday and there was a certain movie marathon that would play every particular weekend on a channel now it's kind of just we'll do thanksgiving and christmas man maybe even easter but that's it and it's not as playful as you would say but this has been a really cool recollection and uh i would even like to see your take on what are the top 10 best tbs or sci-fi channel original movies yeah i don't know you know you think not you know, not necessarily you know originals. I, I can't really think of a lot of the, their originals that I remember. But one of the oh, things okay. I so, loved about TBS, TBS at night was you'd, you'd have like something like Roadhouse at midnight or Point Break mm-hmm. or you know something like that. And then at like two, three in the morning, it'd be something like Dallas Connection or some kind of Andy Sidaris, you know, Julie Strain, Bruce Penn. Oh, so and, that's how they discovered him. I thought yeah. it was always just from Skinamax and Showtime and even UPN. <laughs> right. Well, because you, you would get them on those channels. But yeah, that was what TV. I, I remember TBS and TNT would do it as well. TNT now, what, what do they do? Like Marathons of Charmed, I think, Overnight or Angel or something like that now. Late and now night. they've even stopped that. I, I remember those right. days. But now it's like now they're it's just uh, like maybe one or two other doctor shows. But right. Yeah. They used they used to be the ER channel. They used to be the. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, they they even used to have way more original shows that no one remembers, but USA Network kind of was kicking their butt. They had just some other goofy uh, comedy and uh, detective shows that were just basically their answer to Baywatch and and Jag. And yeah. it's just so funny how now they're kind of the NCIS rerun channel. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, uh, they have been since like 06. I remember that's how I discovered it. Cause I definitely never saw a live broadcast on CBS until years later. I caught up with it and I, I kind of enjoy it more and more. And I see why my, my grandmother was so obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just kind of a rare mix. I mean, you, you see what Belisario was going for before he got fired, but it was pretty much 
trying to be the next Magnum P.I., and then mix it with just kind of today's kind of Monk 24 audience and then even go a step further. And now it's just kind of, it is the immortal show. I will not be surprised if it is the <laughs> longest running show because it's just, even if it's not funny, it is the rare, you haven't seen anything like it ever. It right. is a very crazy show. It's a comedy. It's a military show. It's a mystery show. And I think TVS could definitely experiment more. They definitely are finding their niche with trying a few different anthology comedy shows. Like there's the uh, one God's Helpers type show with Steve Buscemi. The last OG has been surprisingly very witty for them for mm -hmm. and a good comeback for Tracy Morgan. And it's definitely been a better showcase for Tiffany Haddish, who's had kind of, you know, mixed bag in terms of movie projects. But it's very interesting how they're more likely to sometimes. So go, going back to your original point, it, it seems like we're now in a quandary where channels, whoever misses out ends up wishing they had aired that show. Like right. that's like, uh, it's interesting how the head of the former head of HBO back there in Soprano zero is now the head of stars. And that power has basically been the answer to that. But mm -hmm. it's so funny because back in the day when The Shield and Sopranos were first airing on those respective channels, they, they almost did not get whatever sponsors or whatever other people. There's like this was back when you couldn't have a bad guy be the main right. person of the show. And it's uh, interesting how Dream On and Oz kind of predicted all these other edgy shows mm -hmm. and everyone just kind of forgets about them now just because it didn't have any too heavy on the crime elements it was more dramatic and or sexy for that matter. And uh, so now we're just kind of getting into uh, what's going to be the next imitator and what's going to be the show that the other channel wish they aired. Like uh, for instance, Archer was offered to adult swim. They <laughs> passed on it. They're like, there's no, even though they'd done other shows with these creators, they're like, there's no way anyone's going to want to watch, you know, an animated spy show. <laughs> right. It's a big ratings for FX now. So I think we're going to see more of that channels bickering over who gets to air what first and mm -hmm. so you just got to take it all with a grain of salt uh, i definitely wish there was more 2 a.m movies i'm definitely not seeing tbs do that as much it seems like they've just said we're just gonna be the sitcom cityville um yeah. so it'd be interesting to see if they try doing some more movie specials at least do something a little different uh but i don't know uh, yeah i uh, who, what channel would you see just to wrap it up, I guess, uh, would be the next TBS, like on network or cable? I don't know that. I think that's the problem is that, that right now it, it all feels like the streaming part of it is is bigger. I don't, you know, I don't know. It's it's interesting. Cause I, and I also, I don't know if anybody's trying to be TBS again. I think they're all trying to be the new FX, AMC, F, you know, mm, that kind of thing. Okay, yeah. They Everybody's gonna have a Breaking Bad premise. And it's right, just a while. Exactly. It took me years to get to that show because no one would shut up about it. And I'm like, well, it is a legit good show, but I can see why so many. It's kind of ruined TV for everybody because it was just a rarity right. that slipped through the cracks. No one knew it would be that big, and so it does kind of just make me just kind of, without trying to be cynical, just be like, okay, no one can predict success. Just like no one could predict how the direct-to-video market was gonna be. It. No one can mm -hmm. predict how certain TV was going to be an instant hit. I mean, how certain shows were going to do better syndicated versus first come first serve. So yeah, uh, it's definitely going to be interesting seeing what, 
I mean, Netflix kind of has figured out comedy, but Amazon's also kind of figured out comedy by airing, right. you know, stock stuff as well as new stuff. Um, so I guess you could ask yourself, is Hulu going to have anything to compete with that? Because now, now we got a lot of people who are, I, I can't go one review without saying someone saying this is a bastard child of this otherwise lineup on this other channel. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, exactly. So, I, I hope Shudder becomes the next TBS, and I hope, uh, you know, Turner Classic Movies keeps surprising us because, God, I miss Robert Osborne. I know. I hear you there. That's probably a good yeah. note to leave it on. The, the well, I think we uh, all kind of miss him. He was so fantastic. Um, well, mm-hmm. you can't and we just that. lost James Lipton, too. I and know. I always, I always thought Comedy Central or TBS would have been perfect to air a Inside the Actor Studio parody. Yes. Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, uh, Zach Galifianakis kind of did it, but it was like a live show where he just interviewed a bunch of porn stars, and it's like, okay, that's not the same thing. Howard Stern's already do- been doing that for you know two <laughs> right, decades exactly. now. So why not? So uh, I, it's going to be interesting seeing who has to raise the bar next. What channel is going to do it at the most unexpected time? Mm-hmm. And everyone's going to want to be like that one, obviously, because. And now it's like everybody has to rip off the other, but everyone has to rip it off very creatively. We still have twin movies, you know, Mm -hmm. or, but now, uh, uh, now it's kind of a matter of what channel has its own identity. (laughs) So, uh, I don't think anyone will ever forget TBS because it just was such an unusual style. (laughs) Have a bunch of sitcoms and then have a cult movie at the midnight and then have something original that's also what the fuck is yeah for sure uh now now kim where, where can people find you so um the the, the, you can, the, po- the podcast the is jacked um, up jacked up review jacked up review show we we do a lot of just kind of retro stuff uh uh we've been kind of doing various eras of star trek and showing how regardless of what era sucks everyone's going to rediscover it especially now in streaming mm-hmm. and how the takes on certain shows have were just either too ahead of their time or just could never be possibly be appreciated, mm-hmm. you know, because of other circumstances, you know, real life tragedies like uh, this year is going to be a messy year in terms of the coronavirus. But then again, you never know. More people are going to probably discover stuff they've been always meaning to check out because everyone's staying yeah. home now unless they have to go to work. Uh, so uh, we're, we're definitely going to see we, we talk about a lot of retro stuff like pretty much any 80s 90s shows that's not getting talked about you can guarantee you we're going to do an episode about so i know i'm meaning to do an episode on cagney and lacy with oh nice rob i'm definitely going to do a uh, uh uh episode about the sentinel a very beloved upn show wow. and yeah yeah and uh yeah, we're definitely gonna we always do our best to just whoever i have on whoever uh, i'm with you know we always do our homework like uh, I did with Ryan Luis Rodriguez, who had a mystery science theater and blockbuster themed ep- uh, podcast called The Coolness Chronicles. He still releases some new episodes here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we did a two parter uh, on the entire series of The West Wing and wow. how it compared to, you know, groundbreaking network and cable channels, respectively, how, you know, but we we even quoted how David Chase of the Sopranos would always say at the award shows, I don't understand how someone can like both my show and this show, you know, because he was a cynical guy who was like, if no one's cursing, you know, then the truth of reality is lost. I'm like, well, fair point. But at the same time, I mean, you can enjoy different stuff. I mean, NYPD Blue was kind of the Sopranos before 
It was such a thing. And it's such a shame that everyone either remembers the good old days or stopped watching to a certain point, or again, only remembered the, you know, R rated content. So it's, we, we talk about a lot of stuff that is very much in and of itself, trying to recycle and reset the dial on the entertainment bar. And it's interesting how, you know, every podcast is kind of going to that extreme, but yeah, no, I'm going to start promoting everybody. If you have a promo for your podcast, I would love to put it on there on the block. I, I podcasts at the end of the day are pretty much talk with your friends and share the conversation with people and make sure it's not, you know, make sure it's edited and make sure it's not, uh, you know, excessive and, you know, and, (laughs) Uh, it's a really good relief, you know, after years of just struggling to make films and have time wasted by a lot of, you know, guys who aren't even ready to make the next PM or new image stuff, you know, it's just been a very good side of relief to get everyone in a bubble. I mean, I think I'm even going to have a bunch of guys who are bigger anime guys than I've ever been and say, what are the 10 best anime fight scenes you've seen? Yeah, (laughs) And so it's always just kind of a different topic. So, I mean, just like how you divide different, subgenres, different tropes, different uh, gimmicks. You know, it's kind of the same kind of thing I've always kind of wanted to go for is like, okay, what are the 10 best action movie parodies that should have been a real movie? And so I would instantly tell you, they should have totally made the Adult Swim uh, spoof uh, Schindler's List 2 into an actual movie. (laughs) Or they should have done every other thing in the player or last action hero and just actually made that a movie. It would have sucked, but it would have still been entertaining as hell. Because... Uh, and, and we talk about other, uh, we'll, we'll definitely do a lot of other just kind of themed movies. Like we'll take a bunch of infamous movies. Like we might do a two-parter with Ballistic X versus Sever and Jim Cotta, mm-hmm. you know, do a bunch of other confusing spy movies, put it into a loop, kind of like how Rift Tracks and Elvira and even Sven Gulli would do a double feature, mm-hmm. uh, put these infamous movies that were notable for having two famous co-stars take off their clothes, uh, had do these two other uh, confusing uh, psychological thrillers that were, you know, trying to be Hitchcock but weren't <laughs> divided yeah. movies. So yeah, we definitely try to always just raise the bar, and I definitely try to get different guests each time. And you know, podcasters want to help each other out because podcasters, in a way, are kind of thinking what other people are thinking. And I don't think anyone even predicted that they would last as long as they want. It's like this is radio, but it's not internet radio. You can listen to it anytime, anywhere, even if it's five years old, you can listen to it again. And, uh, uh, it's, it's such a blessing because I mean, it's kind of giving a sense in showing how radio used to be the next best thing. People would listen to plays and, you know, audiobooks on the radio at a certain time. So I I do think podcasts are the next biggest thing because now people are going to certain sites that have certain podcasts. So, I mean, I I hope you continue to find new and different platforms to show your podcast on also, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, Uh, that's, I think that's, that's kind of the goal, right? It's just to kind of get the information out there. Well, yeah. And and speaking of that, um, you know, people can find me as always, the usual places, um, dtvconnoisseur.blogspot.com is the blog. (laughs) Yes, that's the old blog. Um, dtvconnoisseur on Twitter and Instagram, um, slash direct to video connoisseur on Facebook. And then the podcast here, we are on, um, we are on YouTube. I'm sorry, not YouTube, but we're on uh, iTunes. Um, Stitcher, Spotify. We are looking to try. I'm trying to get the podcast on YouTube. So, um, you know, I'm recording here on Skype, you and me, and, uh, you know, the the other podcasts I've recorded on Skype. So they record as a video file and a um, 
an, an audio, you know, then I, I convert it to an audio file. So I'm just trying to get I, right now. My, I have like so such limited capacity here. I'm just trying to get something where you I can might try uh, Podbean and Anchor. Yeah. Well, no, what I'm trying to do, what I need to do is I just need to combine because I put the um the theme song on after we, we do the show. So that's the thing. Oh, right now. So just nice. Getting it, yeah, getting the theme song added to it to make the video. Um, once I have that, I'm going to put them on YouTube too. So um, probably like the last five or six podcasts that I've done will be on there. So um, well, means I'm looking forward to the, your next sports uh, uh, parallel or paradox to describe yeah. whatever cluster of a movie you just came across. Right. You know? yes. yes, always good to use the sports ones there. Uh, and um, I mean, after raving about Denise Richards, I think in the Dolph movie Altitude. I think you need to watch more of her movies. I'm definitely yeah. been struggling to come up with a top ten movie list. Yeah, for sure. For one I will of the definitely most now. Infamous, beautiful, and most talked about actresses who has been in every kind of movie, just like Vivica Fox. <laughs> just one one year she's hot, one year no one's talking about it, and then next year everyone's like, oh yeah, the one actor or actress who I used to follow in whatever movie. So it's interesting how you have kind of re-ranked how people look for familiar faces and i mean it was just brilliant from the start how you're like i'm already italian how many times i've seen him on my blog <laughs> right yes well that's right, yeah that's, that's always wall. part of it it's kind of fun is how many of the movies have we done from that person because it shows you in the in the in the thing there so uh yeah it, it's kind of part of the fun there um how to but, make a living and be recognized for a totally different kind of fame like right. be infamous for direct video or better yet be like tim thomerson and uh Billy Blanks and be famous for direct right. video. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, well, thank yeah, you, yeah, brother. It's oh, go ahead. been thank you once so much. It's been yeah. so epic, and the I could who could even predict this amount of fun? You know. It's yeah. Just, Another great conversation. I, I really enjoyed it. You know, we'll have to do it again sometime. Um, but yeah, thank thank you again for coming on, and and thank you everybody for listening. We will be back soon. Um, but yeah, Woo! have a good one. Bye everybody. CBS. sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that, that's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton.